0: You're listening to a Frequency Podcast Network production in association with City News. I don't know about you, but I look at my bank account, look at the headlines, look back at the bank account, and have a little panic every few weeks. The annual inflation rate rose to 7.7% in May, up from 6.8% in April. That's the highest rating since January of 1983 and well above economists' expectations. There is only so much big picture reporting a podcast like this can do on an inflation rate that just keeps rising. Once we've run through the whys and the hows and ask people to make predictions that have often turned out to be wrong, What else is there to do, but wait and see? What other questions can we ask? Well, we thought today we'd skip the blame and the theory and the explanations and the predictions and simply ask questions that might help you. Inflation is a fact. So what are you gonna do about it? Like, actually, what? What are the practical steps you should be thinking of taking right now in terms of your budget, your savings, your groceries, your retirement, your mortgage. Inflation, to use a well-worn phrase, is what it is. But that doesn't mean there's nothing that you can do to fight it. I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. This is The Big Story. Jason Heath, no relation, I promise, is a personal financial planner. He is also a personal finance columnist whose work appears in many outlets, including the Financial Post and Money Sense. Hi, Jason. Hi,
1: how you doing, Jordan?
0: Why don't we just start uh, with a quick review of the economy? I feel like people have sort of heard the, the general drumbeat of bad news. But when did this inflation spike begin and what do the very latest numbers tell us?
1: Inflation really started to heat up, I guess, in early 2021, and at that time, it's funny because most policymakers, whether it was central bankers or politicians or even economists, thought that it was a a transitory or a temporary inflation spike as opposed to something more persistent. I mean, here we are a year and a half later, inflation is still pushing higher Um, Canada's inflation rate, actually, uh, just as of a couple of days ago, the May numbers came out. So May 2021 through May 2022, the one-year inflation rate was 7.7%. That's the highest since uh, January 1983. And it was also ahead of expectations. Economists were calling for 7.4%. And that's been pretty consistent, That inflation's been surprising on the
0: upside. When we're talking about inflation... Is that the cost of everything sort of averaged out by how much it's going up? What's more susceptible or less susceptible to those kind of steep price hikes?
1: Well, I guess maybe just to define it, inflation in Canada anyways is measured by the Consumer Price Index, which is usually referred to as CPI or CPI inflation. And it's represented by the cost of a basket of goods and services. And they call it a, a representative basket of goods and services that's meant to represent what average people are spending money on. And it's divided into eight major categories. Food is one, and certainly grocery prices are, are something we're hearing a lot about going up and obviously noticing at the uh, at the cash register. Shelter costs is number two, and that includes uh, representation of both ownership costs, home ownership, as well as rental. Uh, Number three is household operations, like furnishings and equipment and stuff like that. Number four is clothing and footwear. Uh, Number five is transportation. We've heard, you know, car prices, especially used car prices spiking. Uh, Number six, health and personal care. Seven is recreation, education. And number eight is sort of the the um, the sin category, I suppose, of alcohol, tobacco, and now recreational cannabis has been added to that category as well. So, in terms of what's more susceptible to price hikes, energy prices. I mean, you see at the gas station prices change, you know, day to day. Energy and commodities that are repriced every day are much more susceptible to price hikes. The year-over-year increase in gas prices in May, I think, it was forty-eight percent. In terms of what's most stable, um, I guess maybe stable is not the right word, but stuff like luxury goods, consumer discretionary items, stuff you don't need to spend money on that, that have less demand when other prices rise, those are less likely to rise in, uh, in price or less likely to rise as quickly.
0: So a lot of the discussion around the economy in general, inflation for sure, but also just the direction of the economy, a lot of the commentary seems to indicate that this economy could lead us into a recession. Can you explain how that happens and maybe where the connection is between the inflation spike and a possible recession?
1: For sure. So I think one of the the big concerns is that if the price increases that we have been seeing, the the so-called inflation that, that we've been seeing as of late, if wages don't keep up, so people aren't getting a seven point seven percent increase in you know year over year when inflation's running seven point seven percent, that's something that could lead to an inflation. Inflation, interestingly, usually isn't the main cause of a, a recession. A recession arises due to a decrease in uh, economic output and a slowing of the sale of goods and services. Um, and, and normally when there's a recession, central banks will lower interest rates in order to increase demand. And right now we're doing the opposite. We're increasing interest rates to try to reduce prices. And unemployment is something that typically rises during a recession. And right now, unemployment's actually at an all-time low of about 5%. So a recession does not seem imminent. But who knows? Things can change quickly. We're starting to hear Uh, about some job cuts from from big companies. Um, So, you know, inflation doesn't necessarily lead to a recession. And even stock markets, you know, stock markets have had a brutal uh, 2022. uh, And stocks falling doesn't necessarily mean we're heading to a recession either. Stocks are, are responding to higher interest rates and and the end of stimulus and, and the war in Ukraine and other things like that. So could we have a recession? Sure. Is it imminent? Probably not. But, you know, a lot can happen in the next six months going into 2023.
0: That's great context. And now I want to focus on the reason we asked you on this show. You know, we've talked about inflation rates over the past six months, 12 months. You know, the cost of everything getting more prohibitive. One thing we haven't really done is giving Canadians any way to watch their own budget in their own pocketbook? So, you know, I've seen uh, a lot of writing. You mentioned 1983. Canadians under 40 have never seen anything like this before in their lives. So what's the first thing as a financial planner you'd want them to understand about how this relates to their own bank accounts?
1: You know, it's 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 a good point. And I'm 43. I, I sort of know of inflation in a theoretical way capacity as opposed to a, a real life capacity, inflation has been pretty stable for almost 40 years now. You know, last time we saw any sort of meaningful spike was, was temporarily in the 90s. And inflation can cause a lot of pain for people whose wages can't keep up. And I think particularly in the form of rising prices, we're not used to seeing prices go up uh, that significantly younger people or, or even you know, older people who, who haven't seen this since, since they were much younger. Honestly, I think interest rates are going to be the main thing that uh, is likely to shock young people. You know, people who've, you know, never seen a, a mortgage interest rate over 5%. It's been probably um, 15 years, probably 2007 was the last time that that uh, we saw high rates like this. The prime rate back in 2007 hit six and a quarter percent. We got a ways to go to get to that point. But higher interest rate, I think if real estate prices continue to decline, I, I think there's a lot of young people who have been sold on the uh, dream that real estate prices only go up and only go up a lot. And, um, you know, a a lot of people, you know, under 40 and over 40, I, I think believe Canada's some sort of a unicorn that prices of of real estate never go down. So I I think that real estate and and interest rates are going to be the big shocker for Canadians over the next few years. But obviously, you know, rising prices are, are impacting everyone everywhere.
0: We're going to talk about real estate specifically in a few minutes, but maybe first, you mentioned that this has started to show up well over a year ago and, you know, we might have thought it was a blip or or temporary pain for a few months. If we had known, say, this time last year uh, that this was not going to be a blip, what could we have done then, you know, individually to prepare ourselves for what we're dealing with now, aside, I guess, from the obvious, which is. Put away some money. Yeah,
1: it's a good question. And I'll, I'll be honest, I was in the camp that inflation was was more likely to be a temporary phenomenon. And and a lot of people I was talking to were, you know, in that same boat. One of the, the people that I speak to that was most um, tooting the, the horn of, of inflation and, and look out actually was a farmer, believe it or not, who was talking about, you know, rising prices and some of their costs going up and food shortages and things like that. So it's interesting. Sometimes you know you can get a whole bunch of smart people in the 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 room, or so-called smart, you know, central bankers and politicians and policymakers and economists, and you know it's the the rank and file people that are seeing the impacts of inflation that uh, that call it first. So I think if we could go back in time six months, um, you know, planning for for a rainy day, I think is is something you should do at any time, especially when the times are good. Um, you know, building up a, an emergency fund for many years now. People have been using their lines of credit to, to spend a bit more than they make, and it doesn't seem so bad when when home prices are going up twenty percent a year, right? If your your home's gone up two hundred grand, doesn't matter if you put ten grand on your line of credit. A lot of people thought no, but you know, ideally, if if people could have been planning for this, they would have been getting their finances in order. And I think there's a lot of people that are worried now about the high you know, historically high debt levels that the consumers have uh, have built up here in Canada. And it's, it's going to weigh on the economy and the real estate market the next five years.
0: What are some of the key questions that you are getting right now as a personal financial advisor?
1: Definitely lots of questions about inflation. I would say I've had more questions about inflation in the last six months than I've had in the last Six years, you know, people who are questioning, you know, I do and, and we do a lot of um, sort of long term financial modeling, retirement modeling, retirement planning, you know, how much money do you need to retire? How much money can you afford to spend? Um, my governing body as a financial planner is FP Canada and they suggest using a, a 2.1% long-term inflation rate. And I've never had more questions about a 2% inflation rate than, than lately when inflation is running so high. So it's a big concern for, for people. Beyond that, though, lots of questions about um, bonds. You know, the Canadian bond market as of today is down about uh, 14 or 15%. And there's a lot of people saying, geez, bonds can go down in value and bonds can go down 15%. In value, what is this? And, and bonds, you know, if they're getting too complex, when interest rates go up, bonds go down. And when interest rates go way up, bonds go way down. And this has been a brutal year for conservative uh, investors as a result of bond market losses. And I don't think uh, people were properly prepared by their investment advisors about the prospect of losing money on seemingly conservative
0: investments. How complicated does it get in those conversations when you're talking to people about planning for retirement when, you know, the inflation rate changes month to month? It it doesn't seem to show any signs of stopping. But on the other hand, it could, uh, as I've learned from previous conversations on this show, it could turn around and fall very quickly uh, once we hit the peak. So, like, how do you how do you even approach that kind of thing?
1: I think a, a lot of the work that I do as a financial planner anyways is is based on long term decisions, long term trends. Um, again, going back to to FB Canada and their guidelines for certified financial planners, you know they have suggested that over the long run, if inflation were to stay well above the Bank of Canada's two percent target, it is likely that interest rates would would stay higher and and stock returns would stay higher and you know rates of return would be higher to offset that i think that the other important item for context the bank of canada's target and most central banks uh, in the west their target is a 2% inflation rate the bank of canada will will let inflation run as high as 3 as low as 1 they try to keep it in that 2% band the likelihood of five years from now inflation still being seven or eight percent i think is is pretty low but if it continues for a year or two there are people that could be hit quite hard i i think of like retirees on non-indexed pensions you know if you retire and you work for the government or a lot of public uh, sector employees will have indexed pensions that go up with inflation but most private sector defined benefit pension plans don't increase with inflation so if inflation runs high for a couple of years i mean you could see people who lose three four or five years of purchasing power in a single year um so i think those are the people with with the most at at risk younger people who have a longer timeline you know i think this will hopefully just be a a blip in a story they tell their kids you know fingers crossed anyways
0: Well, now I want to take you through a few specific areas that we've heard from our listeners uh, about and see what you'd recommend. And we'll go from sort of day to day to more long-term uh, retirement stuff. So first of all, just, you know, everyday expenses. Uh, we talked about this earlier, gas and food uh, particularly. How do you adjust your budget or your savings plan when literally everything is more expensive? And And are there any ways to fight this other than just, you know, kind of shutting up and taking it?
1: Yeah. I mean, gas is a, is a tough one, right? Yeah. I mean, I suppose you can bring gas cans to the, the gas station, but there's only so much gas you can store. You're sort of at the mercy of, of whatever the gas prices are. I mean, simple stuff, obviously, like trying to work from home if uh, if you can, carpooling or public transit. Food seems tougher. And interestingly, you know, that, that seems to be one of the main things I'm hearing people complain about. I think that groceries are a big budget item for a lot of people. There's simple steps that can be taken, like buying fewer convenience items. You think about buying a bag salad versus buying the individual ingredients, making it on your own, buying whole fruit as opposed to pre-sliced fruit. It's going to be cheaper and it's going to last longer too than the pre-sliced stuff that you might need to eat within a couple of days. I think it's really important right now, Jordan, to look at unit price, which is often listed on grocery store shelves these days because many products are shrinking their sizes in order to maintain level pricing and, and not increase their prices but you're getting less for the same cost so that's something to look out for that's a, that's a big deal right now there's some cool apps out there there's one called checkout 51 where you make a list and then you get relevant offers that are matched to that list coupons that you can use on your smartphone at the checkout And if you upload a copy of your grocery receipt, you even get paid to do that. You know, they're buying your information effectively. Another one that's a little bit different is called Flash Food. Flash Food allows you to locate discounted items that are nearing their best before date um, that are still good if you buy them and cook them within the next couple of days, especially for people who are spending money on, you know, meat-based proteins who aren't into the, the plant-based uh, proteins. Meat prices have gone up uh, quite a bit. Uh, certainly opportunities to, to use apps like that, that can bring down your, your costs. So there are, you know, steps that can be taken with uh, certain parts of your budget, but it's going to be a tough time, I think, for, for a lot of people.
0: What about savings? I know a lot of us have, you know, a certain threshold of our gross income that we contribute every month to a savings account. To as you put it earlier, plan for a rainy day. Is it okay to pull back on that given everyday expenses? Of course, some people might just have no choice about that. But in general, what what should your approach to savings be in such an unstable uh, economy?
1: To be honest, I I think it's okay to stop saving. I I you know, as a financial planner, I know I'm supposed to say you know save and find a way and, you know, um, life happens and there's going to be points in your life where you can't save or where you might even go backwards. You might even be drawing down your investments. You might be incurring debt. But if you look at a typical, you know, work life, you might work for 40 years. If you had a, have a bad year or two, you can recover from that. The, the challenge, however, is that if it is persistent, you need to look at your lifestyle, your home, your job, et cetera. In other words, if you're consistently behind not saving, incurring debt, I think there are people that need to question, you know, am I going to be on track for my long-term goals if I don't make some changes to my, my financial life? You know, if you went to the grocery store and, and something that you like is or, or need or want is on sale, you're going to buy more of it, Right. Same with stocks. You want to buy stocks when they're on sale, and um, this is a great time to just continue dollar cost averaging into the market. And uh, you know, this will be a blip for uh, hopefully a blip for a young person who's uh, even a middle aged person who's you know uh, saving for retirement and has five or more years left until they need their money.
0: Where should people be putting their money in this climate? Like, what are the risks to RRSPs, to tax-free savings accounts? What do you want to invest in, especially if you're somebody that, you know, wants to make sure their money is as safe as it can be right now?
1: I, I think the environment is improving for conservative investors or bond market investors. They're, you know, without getting too technical, you know, short-term bonds are, are less at risk than long-term bonds as, as interest rates are, are rising. Fixed income investors, bond investors are going to see higher rates, GIC rates. We're starting to see GIC rates up over 4% for the first time in, in 10 or 12 years. I think the environment is improving for conservative investors. For investors generally, you know, it's really hard to time the markets. And if someone is concerned about stocks falling further or even bonds, for that matter, falling further, it's really tough to be right once, let alone buy back in at the right time and be right Twice. It's tough for the professionals, let alone anyone else. You know, for retirees, this could be tricky if stocks have an extended downturn, but hopefully people who are retired and drawing down their investments, you know, going into this had a low sustainable withdrawal that they were taking from their investments. And if they were taking a, you know, three, four or 5% of their investment portfolio, the good news is if you're only taking out three, four or 5% a year, you know, 95, 96, 97% of your money is still invested. So your portfolio can recover as long as you don't panic.
0: And last, uh, but certainly not least, homes and mortgages. Interest rates are expected to continue to rise for the foreseeable future. If if someone can renegotiate their mortgage now, should they? Should buyers wait to buy or sell their homes? Uh, how do you manage real estate, given where we are right now?
1: The time to convert a variable rate to a, a fixed rate, for example, was last year when, when fixed rates were like one and a half percent. I'm I'm genuinely on the fence right now. If I were taking out a new mortgage or I had a variable rate mortgage and and wondered about converting it to fixed, you know, there's variable rate mortgages that are in the 3% range or less. There's fixed rate mortgages that are 2% higher in the 5% range, or maybe even a little bit less, four and a half to five percent. So to lock in a fixed rate mortgage at 2% higher, it seems like a lot more to to pay, but rates could rise 1% in July. There's speculation that the Bank of Canada is gonna increase the prime rate between 0.75 and and maybe even one percent. And and rates could be one and a half or two percent higher by the end of the year. So if somebody could take a four and a half percent fixed rate mortgage right now, variable rate mortgages could be up to four and a half percent by January, let's say. Who knows? 2023 and beyond, it's it's hard to say. So, so on on real estate, on the debt side, anyways, I I think it's it's tough.
0: How big a shock could that be to millennials and Gen Xers who who have bought their homes and, you know, it cost a ton to buy a home in Canada anytime in the last five or 10 years. They have bought this house. Their first uh, fixed rate mortgage term is about to end. Like what kind of uh, what kind of hit are we talking about?
1: Well, I mean, just to to give perspective, somebody took out a 25 year uh, amortization mortgage at a two percent interest rate after five years, if the interest rate is 5% at renewal, to stay on that same 25 year time horizon and have a a 20 year amortization once the first five year ends, if interest rates went from two to 5%, your payment would go up by 30%. So that's a big hit to someone who's got a big mortgage and who's bought in the last few years. And if you think about it, the next sort of two, three, four or five years, there's gonna be a lot of very low interest rate fixed rate mortgages that are coming up for renewal or variable rate mortgages that uh, may have higher payments. So I think it's really going to be a drag on real estate prices the next few years. Uh, I'm not necessarily saying that real estate prices are are going to tumble, but um, boy, I just, I can't see real estate prices going up significantly. You know, they go sideways for the next five years or more. Um, do they drop and slowly recover? I don't know. But I think the 20% growth rates we've seen are uh, a thing of the past. And, um, you know, people need to plan for more modest growth rates or even, you know, no growth.
0: What does this mean for people who have so much of their savings and and retirement plans tied up in property that probably uh, cost them an arm and a leg?
1: Yeah, it's tough. I, I think that um, I've certainly come across a lot of people who... Have become comfortable with the fact that they will never pay off their mortgage and are, are, you know, going to need to downsize their house at some point. And you know, I think as long as uh, people went into taking on their big mortgage and and buying their expensive home, knowing that might be the case, or knowing that that real estate, you know, probably should rise at three or four percent a year instead of you know six or seven or eight or ten percent per year. You know, it, it may be a wake-up call for, for some because they might not have any extra cash flow left over to save and, and invest. But um, I think there's a lot of people that are gonna have to reallocate their budget in order to stay on track, in order to do things they wanna do today, in order to save for the future.
0: Jason, thank you so much for this. It's great to have some practical advice beyond uh, the doom and gloom about the future. Anything else we haven't covered that you're seeing a lot of uh, in your clients that you'd you'd like to pass on?
1: You're not alone. Lots of people are, are worried, and we've been here before. We'll be here again. You know, this is just part of the economic and investment and interest rate cycle, unfortunately.
0: Jason, thanks so much for this. For sure, Jordan, anytime. Jason Heath writes in the Financial Post, in Money Sense, in the Canadian Money Saver, and in Retire Happy. That was The Big Story. For more, head to the thebigstorypodcast.ca. The price of a visit to that website has just gone up by 7%. You can also talk to us on Twitter at TheBigStoryFPN. That cost, still stable. Follow us. It's always free. You can, of course, email us hello at TheBigStoryPodcast.ca. And you can call us up and congratulate or complain as you wish. The phone number is 416-935-5935. The Big Story is available everywhere you get your podcasts, I'd prefer you use a player that lets you rate and review so we can see what you think of us, but you do you. Thanks for listening. I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. Have a great weekend. Save money. We'll talk Monday.